Welcome to the Christian Coach Podcast. Our mission is to serve coaches through conversations so they can lead like Jesus. I am Chad Simpson. I'm joined by my co-hosts, Jim Good and Gian Lemmy. What's up, fellas? What's hey, up, Chad? Chad? Well, this uh, this month, we uh, had have dedicated it towards time management, uh, hacks on just productivity, habits, uh, these type of things, and uh, just super excited for our guests. Before we get to that, just want to rehash why we're doing this podcast and who we are. Um, people hear our voice and like, who are these guys? Um, so I, I got Gian Lemmy. Gian was a longtime assistant coach for Liberty Tennis, and uh, he just recently took a new role with John Acuff's team. And so he's working working two roles and doing the podcast as a little ministry. We got Jim Good, a long, long time coach. Whoa, I'm just joking. Easy on that long. Come on. Now. I'm just joking. Jim's the veteran here. We needed somebody with some wisdom, so we brought Jim onto the team. And uh, he was a longtime high school basketball coach. AD at a Christian school, and now he works with nations of coaches. And uh, for me, I work with athletes in action, running the tennis division here. But uh, gentlemen, we got Dan Christensen, regional recruiting coordinator for Dan Tudor. Um, do you guys have anything to tease out? Well, I enjoyed this uh, episode. It was a unique episode, and Chad, you did a great job. Appreciate Dan sharing some of his insight and thought as I kind of. Um, Think through this. I, I just love hearing some of the backstory, how God has uh, kind of preparing individuals, not just for their career, but their calling. And it's obvious Dan has a gift and how God, you know, was preparing him in the, the world of coaching and now into this um, endeavor of his life. And I love hearing the passion, the emotion of our guests when they start sharing um, just their heart. And you can tell this recruiting process is his gift. It's his talent. And he shares some great insight. And so just listen towards the end about this emotional connection for recruits when they go and visit. You know, the facilities are are one thing, but it's that connection with the coach, that connection with the athletes, how how they felt after their visit on campus. So I, I enjoyed hearing uh, that perspective. Yeah, and I think it, going alongside of that with recruiting, if coaches, if you're listening, you want a cheat code, you go read the book, The Power of Moments, and you and you try to adapt what the lessons from that book into your recruiting and especially your official visits and phone calls on how to create moments that are memorable and make people feel something positive. Um, there are several studies do done about that as well. So uh, power of moments, I can't remember, maybe it's one of the Heath brothers or maybe both of the Heath brothers that did it. Um, they're, uh, it's a great book. But one of the things and that we, once we started working with Dan Tudor that we did here at Liberty, was including the parents in the recruiting process mm -hmm. a lot like a monthly email to the parents explaining selling the university and you would not believe how many parents got back to us and says you're the only university that is talking to us everybody else is just talking to the player and so that just mm -hmm. puts us in a much better position to get those recruits because regardless if the recruits telling you oh i'm the only one who's going to make this decision if they're living with parents in their house, they're most likely going to be influenced by what the parents are thinking as well. Yeah, that's great stuff. And um, just one more thing that Dan gets into is just what platforms y you as a coach need to be on. Um, 
and just personal testimony is uh, Dan. Dan was just awesome. He was helpful for me, um, and he works for Dan Tudor. So if uh, if you're looking for a book to read, uh, Dan Tudor Selling for Coaches is probably the first co first coaching book that I would give to a, a college coach. Um, I was in charge at, at my small Christian college to help some of the the new coaches, and none of them knew how to recruit. So I was like, just read Dan Tudor's book. Um, but that's uh, that's enough on the preview. We uh, don't want to waste any more of your time. We're ready to get into this episode right now. Dan Christensen, it's so good to have you on the Christian Coach Podcast. You were a blessing uh, to me as a, as a college coach, and I know you are to so many others, and we're just excited to hear more about you. But we like to get right into it here on the, on the podcast. So uh, what does it mean to you, Dan, to be a Christian coach? Well, I think, you know, as as Christians, we're called to to glorify God and enjoy his creation. And so I think, you know, simply as a, as a college coach, you're trying to glorify God with how you run your program and how you interact with your your players and everyone that you come in contact with and and really show them, I think, how to show them how to glorify God and how to enjoy him. And I think even if you're not, you know, my background is at a Christian college, but even if you're not at a Christian college, I think you can still do that and um you know, either way, you have these athletes for a short amount of time, whether it's a year or five years, uh, and just trying to leave an impact on them to have them see, hey, this is what it means to be a man or woman of of God. And so I think that's really what it, it means for me and, uh, you know, to be a Christian coach. And, and yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. And are you willing to share just a little bit, share a little bit about just your backstory on on your upbringing, uh, how you ended up there at Gordon, just faith, sports, all of that yeah. Yeah. So I grew up, uh, both of my grandfathers are pastors. Um, and so I grew up, you know, in Christian household and, um, my, uh, my, my dad's dad and my dad, they both went to Gordon college. Uh, my grandfather actually went to the, the seminary, I think there, but, uh, my dad went to Gordon college. And so I knew about it. And, uh, you know, when I was looking at schools, I looked at, at Gordon and didn't really know if I would go there or not. I, I basically was looking at kind of Gordon and, uh, some other big, you know, bigger schools that were not Christian schools. And so, um, but just, just loved it. And so I ended up going there and, um, I played high school tennis and basketball and, um, ended up playing college tennis there. And, you know, as a student, I was also working with the men's basketball team doing stats and, um, some different things just kind of as a, as a student assistant and really loved that, enjoyed my time. And so, um, that ended up leading into to coaching at the college level at Gordon, uh, once I, once I graduated both with basketball and tennis. So. Gotcha. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, and then you went on to, to coach, for Gordon. Um, can you just share about the process of going from a student athlete there to becoming the coach? And um, yeah, what did, what did you learn in those uh, three or four years as a, as an assistant coach there at Gordon? Yeah. So I mean, going into it, I think, you know, any, you know, athlete kind of understands the basics of, you know, as a coach, you, you run practices, you coach in games, you call plays, you do all that kind of stuff. But I think the biggest thing for me, just actually being part of it and, and joining the athletic department is that there's just so much that goes on, you know, behind the scenes that, that people don't always know about. And, um, I really just kind of, you know, there's a lot of details and things that maybe can be frustrating and, uh, a lot of work, but there's so much, so much fun and enjoyable parts of really building a program that again, people don't really know about with building culture and recruiting, which is what I've kind of gotten into. Uh, and so I really enjoyed those parts of, of being a coach and, and being able to interact with these, these athletes and, and Gordon Christian college. So we, you know, it was definitely a big part of what we did and just being able to, you know, 
be part of the lives of these college kids for a few years that I had as, as a coach. And, um, I really love that part of it, but yeah, I think just kind of learning behind the scenes, what it takes to kind of run a, a program and run an athletic department and all that kind of stuff was, was, was definitely eye opening, And I, I just, I, I loved it. And I feel for coaches of, you know, all the different things that they have to do to, to be successful. So. Yeah. Did, did your head coach give you some, some freedom in, in the recruiting process there? Like what was your, what were your roles uh, as an assistant coach? Yeah. So I did, I was, I was more so heavily involved with recruiting for tennis. And so I did a lot of kind of like the initial, initial reach out and follow up and, and that kind of thing. And so um, tennis, it's nice as, as you know, there's, you know, there's UTR rankings and there's things like that that make it a little bit easier to kind of see levels of players and stuff like that. And so I just had fun just going out and finding kids, but uh, obviously with the, being a Christian college, that's an important part of what we were looking for. And so it's an added challenge, but it's also, it, it kind of helped make it easier for us to kind of define who was right for us. So uh, I just like you know, being able to kind of figure out how much they were interested in that and, and just understanding their challenges and what they were looking for. And so I did do a lot of, had a lot of those conversations, which was, which was fun. Yeah, that's great. It's uh, it's so cool that you had that hands-on experience as a coach practicing recruiting and that led into um, the work that you do now, but I'm just curious, can you tell me the process of leaving Gordon? How did you hear about Dan Tudor? How did you, uh, take that step of faith to kind of leave, leave the coaching profession and jump into the, to the consulting business world? Yeah. Yeah. So as a coach, um, my head coach would always, you know, pass me Dan Tudor's articles that he'd, he'd put out every Tuesday morning. And, um, I listened to the podcast that he had, he started while I was a, a college coach. And, um, so I was kind of paying attention to what he was saying and there's a lot of good stuff that was helping me just because like many coaches, you don't really have a recruiting background. When you get into coaching, you kind of have to figure it out kind of on the fly and learn from people. And so, um, I was kind of paying attention to to him and it got to a point after I was there for four years and it got to a point where I just kind of felt like God was calling me to, to try something different. And we knew we wanted to start a family and coaching isn't then, you know, not uh, breaking news to everyone, but if you're an assistant coach, especially at a smaller school, the pay isn't the best. And so trying to figure out financially what we could do to, to support the family a little bit better. And I actually had an opportunity for a few months to, to do something different. It was recruiting, but it was for like a healthcare medical recruiting thing. And, um, did that for a few months and it was, it was terrible. It was not, it was not something for me. And, um, I yeah, did not like it. And so it was kind of a hard time of like, man, I got out of something that was, it was a lot of work, not a lot of pay, but I loved coaching and I'm doing something that, um, just didn't really, just really didn't love. And so I started looking for other opportunities and, um, it was either on LinkedIn or on Twitter. I saw Dan posted that he was looking for people to join his team. And so I just reached out and was like, Hey, you know, I'm interested. I'm, I'm not loving what I'm doing right now. And I would love to hear more about it. And so we had a conversation and that's kind of how it went. And so, yeah, a little bit like a three month gap or so kind of between jobs, but you know, I went from that to working with, uh, with Dan Tudor. And it was definitely something that was, it was hard. It was a big decision. I think just being a student and then working at Gordon, it was, it was a big jump because it's now you're a professional, now you're a coach, but I was still at a school. I was very familiar. So this was kind of the first time getting out of my comfort zone and doing something different and and that kind of thing. So it was, was kind of a big jump, but, but I'm enjoying it. So. Mm, that's awesome. That's awesome. Cool to hear the the leap of faith. And um, for me, kind of how our worlds collided, I guess, uh, was um, I got hired. Uh, I was up in Champaign, Illinois, when I got my college coaching job, I was 26. This was in 2014. Um, Brad Dancer, the head men's coach at Illinois, got breakfast with me and I was picking his brains, asking questions. And he said, with recruiting, 
you have to just enroll in Dan Tudor's uh, stuff. And so got down there, read selling for coaches. And for any coaches listening, uh, the premise of the book is coaches uh, know their sport, but um, maybe they don't know how to recruit or how to sell. And so that book uh, was so, so helpful for me in understanding that. But as you think about just the tan, the Dan Tudor system, um, could you give maybe two or three kind of bullet points, kind of big picture ideas and like, what what help are you guys doing in the recruiting process? Yeah, yeah. So I think, you know, like, like you said, it's it's something that a lot of coaches, you know, very few coaches get into uh, college coaching because they are really good at recruiting and they love it and they just want you to do that. And so, yeah, sports are cool and, and building a team is cool, but I really want to just recruit. It's usually the opposite. It's usually like, all right, I love the team. I love that X's and O's and I love that. Uh, now I got to figure out the recruiting part of it. And so, um that's kind of the, the point of what we do is try to help coaches and, and figure out how to be more effective recruiters quicker instead of, you know, you can learn by trial and error and it can take years of, of making mistakes and, and that'll happen, you know, inevitably, but trying to help coaches uh, figure out how to recruit, how to sell their, their school, sell their program. Cause that's what recruiting is and um, try to give them those kinds of skills. And um, again, it's just something that isn't really required to be a college coach. Uh, but then once you get in, it's one of the most important parts of the job. And so we're trying to build, you know, bridge that, that gap there of the, you know, lack of experience and skills with, with sales and recruiting and, um, a big, you know, you know, the biggest part of what we do is research. And so for almost 20 years, Dan has been doing research with, with student athletes, asking them, how do they want to be recruited? How do they want coaches to communicate with them? What are they looking for? What are the main factors in their decision? We could just guess and try to figure out and get into the mind of a 16, 17 year old kid, but we figured let's just ask them and, and figure out what they want. And so trying to do that every year to stay on top of, of how they think and, and that, and use that to give college coaches tips and advice. So, yeah. And I remember in one of my last years uh, down, down at my college, uh, you and I talked around COVID, you, you gave an awesome presentation to my, my college and um, I was able to get a one-on-one -on -one phone call just to pick your brain on some of those trends like in the middle of COVID, but just maybe in the past two or three years, has you or your team, what, what kind of research have you guys kind of seen or gathered any, any changes in the market? Yeah. So there's a couple of things that I think have, they've always been important and always been an emphasis, but I think after COVID and just the way things are now, there's an added emphasis on just being able to effectively talk about cost with, with the kids and with their families. Cause um, you know, unless you're able to offer a full ride scholarship, which the majority of college coaches can't um, they're going to be paying something. Uh, and so they're going to have to, they're going to have to make that work. And a lot of kids and their parents, they're worried about that. They're scared. They don't understand, you know, how financial aid works and you know what that can look like. And they see these, you know, sticker prices of 50, 60, 70, 80,000. And so, it's just very overwhelming. And I think the more that coaches can be comfortable talking about it and, you know, sharing what it looks like at their school and trying to be transparent and, and that kind of thing is just super important. Uh, and even more so now, I think with a lot of families, you know, struggling financially and with the costs rising and all that, um, you know, during COVID, a lot of people lost their jobs. And so trying to, you know, talk to these families about how they can pay and, I think for coaches, it's hard because it's, it can be uncomfortable to talk to someone about paying, you know, 10, 20, 30, $40,000 um, to come play a sport at their school. Uh, and so a lot of coaches tend to just put it off. Like we'll recruit them. We'll get them to fall in love with us and they'll apply. They'll get the financial aid and we'll figure it out then. Um, and I think coaches waste a lot of time on kids that just, that's not going to work. 
you know, if they can't afford more than five or 6,000 and your school costs, you know, 20 or 30,000, they're not coming, you know, it's mm-hmm. even as much as they could be a good fit. Um, probably not worth recruiting that athlete. And if you can figure that out on the front end um, and the other part of that is, is involving the parents. I think we can talk to the kids and they can kind of give you an understanding, but the parents are the ones that are usually writing the check at the end of the day. And so um, trying to encourage coaches to, to continue to emphasize talking about finances early on as much as you can and, and give them a clear picture. It's going to make the rest of the recruiting process go much smoother. And you might end up having to turn down some kids and, and lose some kids across them off the list early um, but I'd rather do that than, you know, again, spend three, six, 12 months, you know, talking to a kid that it's just never going to work out. Mm, that's good. On on the money side, um, do you have any tips for the coach, like how to press into those buttons? Because um, as I was recruiting all, all on partial scholarships, you know, the, the student athletes are always like, yeah, coach, I got no money. I got no money. I got no money. Um, pretty typical. So just for them to be honest and say, hey, this is what I'm looking for. But any, any tips for a coach as they're in those? early conversations with a recruit? Yeah. Yeah. I think trying to come up with some kind of estimate and there are, you know, some schools are able to do things like pre-reads and some have, you know, the, the net price calculator. We talk about that a lot. Some schools it's somewhat accurate, but at least just giving them some kind of range of like, Hey, this is what it could look like. Let's have a conversation about it. What do you, how do you guys feel about that? Um, and see what they say. And, you know, talking about, Hey, other schools that you're looking at, is this kind of what you're seeing? Um, just to really understand, you know, if they're saying, you know, Hey, we, there's no way we can afford, you know, 15, $20,000 a year. And then they tell you they're looking at four other schools that, you know, it's going to cost about the same to go there. You can maybe call their bluff a little bit, but just mm-hmm. try to guide them through and, you know, just approach it in a way of knowing that it's stressful for them and they're, they're scared. They're worried about if they can afford it. And so knowing that and being empathetic with that and just saying, Hey, I want to, I want to help you. I want to be honest with you. I want to just help you through this process. Um, the more that you can do that, the more you'll build trust and, and all that helps. So that's good. That's good. Um, I remember as, as a coach, uh, you know, 27, 28, just starting out, uh, thinking through, like, I don't think my kids could, would be able to afford this, you know? So I think that was sometimes, sometimes a hard, hard thing to sell when, um, but yeah. Is there any other research that, that comes to mind that, that you've seen here recently, uh, that you'd be willing to share? Um, you know, I can, I think again, going back to the parents, obviously there's a financial aspect of that, but we're seeing, we're seeing an increase more and more just how involved they are. Um, you know, even the kids or the parents that tell you, Hey, I'm, I'm handling it as the athlete or, Hey, my kid is going to, they're going to figure it out. It's their decision. Um, over and over, we're hearing feedback from kids that say, Hey, my parents are helping me narrow down my choices. They're helping me. They're giving me opinions of schools. They're helping me coordinate my, my campus visits. They're helping me apply or maybe even doing my applications to, to schools. And so they do so much. And I think a lot of coaches are scared to talk to the parents or just don't want to, because it takes more time. And Hey, I don't want to have the parent that's emailing me all the time and bothering me. And I want to talk to the athlete. I want them to be mature and be able to handle this. I think for a lot of these kids that, you know, they just don't know. And so the parents don't know either. And we need to be able to guide them. And the more that you can build a relationship and build trust with them, increases the chance that they might be willing to to spend the extra money to go to your school versus the school that's cheaper or be willing to even come visit campus because the parents trust you. They like you. Um, you know, I think a lot of coaches wait or don't talk to them for different reasons. And I think that's something we're continuing to see be effective and something that kids, most kids really, they do want, they want their parents help. And so if the parents are involved, then they can help them better and, and all that. So that's really good. Being able to effectively talk about cost and then still recruiting the, and building the relationship with the parents. I think that's really, 
really good advice. And, um, you know, this month we're, we're trying to talk about just time management. We know that coaches time is just so squeezed, um, the pressures of work, sometimes they're growing a family. Um, and so just in general, I know that, that your, um, your business can help save time because they're going to learn from you, learn from the lessons, um, and, and help them have more success. But, um, just, do you have any, you know, there's there's not really a, a shortcut to being a great recruiter, um, but do you have any little time hacks, like something that you see coaches maybe wasting extra time on that that they could learn uh, from you on? Yeah, so I think one thing one thing that we talk a lot about is establishing establishing the timeline of your program, your recruiting, because I think what most coaches do is they just rely on the athletes. Whenever they make their decision, whenever we've kind of filled up our class or whenever we've run out of recruits, that's when we'll be done. And that's that's hard. That's frustrating because for a lot of coaches, that's going to, you know, that's going to run into April, May, June, July um, for that fall. And that gets frustrating. That's a lot of time. And it takes away time that you could be spending on the next class or, again, the million other things that you have to do as a college coach or a parent or a husband or a wife. And and so figuring out what the timeline looks like for your program and explaining that to recruits and saying, Hey, this is kind of when we're going to be done and sticking to it. And I think a lot of coaches are, are scared of that because they're like, well, you know, what if they're not ready, but they could decide later. Or what if I find the other recruit, you know, later on, you know, there's all kinds of things and, and you can handle those, but ultimately you trying to be in control of your program helps you because you can figure out when you want to be done and just be done by then. Um, now there's all kinds of things you need to do leading up to that to make that work. Um, you know, and so there's, we talk a lot about timelines and establishing that and letting recruits know and reminding them, hey, this is when we're going to be wrapping up. And what recruits tell us is they actually like that because it shows that the coach is guiding them. They're in control. They know what they're talking about and gives them some you know time frame to work with because a lot of kids, they don't know how to make their decision or when to make their decision. And so they're going to if they if they don't have kind of a deadline, a timeline of when they need to make a decision by, they're going to delay. They're going to take more time. And that's more time for you, the coach that you're spending recruiting them and just trying to stay in touch and keep up with them. And um, if you could be done, you know, weeks or months sooner um, on your terms, uh, that can save you so much time throughout the year and and help you feel more in control of, you know, what can seem just like a chaotic, chaotic job, all kinds of things going on. It's something that you can control and you should be able to control as a coach. Um, and so we, we help coaches with that a lot, trying to get them to figure out what the timeline looks like, because it's going to be different for every sport division level program, you know, depending on where they where they coach at, all that kind of stuff. But um, I think that's really important timelines, figuring out what that is and being in control of it so that you're not wasting a yeah. lot of time just completely relying on the athletes um, to make their decisions. Yeah, that's really good advice. I uh, I wonder if other coaches listening in are, are stubborn, maybe like me and uh just after it seemed like the, the student athletes that drifted and like, I need another week, I need another month. It's like they never came back and signed, you know, um, something was holding them back because there's something stubborn in me that's like, I'm going to keep trying. I'll keep sending the text, keep making the phone call. But um, that that is probably a, a time waster. Um, that's really good. And uh, other than the timeline, do you see any other hacks? I'm thinking about like technology or um, yeah, any other time hacks that you might see to help coaches in recruiting? Yeah. So I think, you know, the more that you can plan, the better um, with your communication and, you know, what are you going to be sharing with these kids on a weekly, monthly, yearly basis? Um, a lot of coaches just don't really have a plan for that. It's kind of reactive, you know, who's, yeah. who's responding back, who are we talking to and like, Hey, something came up. And so I want to share that with them, but there's no real plan. And so 
it ends up being a much more random recruiting process, random recruiting communication. And um, the more that you can kind of plan that out of like, Hey, this week we're going to share something about this. Um, and then going into tech, like you said, you know, using some kind of platform, some kind of you know software, there's a bunch of them out there. A lot of our coaches use ARI, things like that, where you can go in and put your messages in and schedule them out or just have it all kind of, you know, mapped out, planned out. That can save you a ton of time. Uh, you know, if you're sitting there writing, you know, emails from scratch or copying and pasting over and over again, things like that take a lot of time. Um, so that's one thing. And then with social media, too, I think that's another one where a lot of coaches struggle for a lot of coaches. It's just not their strength. Um, but it, it's important. It's something that is important to building your brand and 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 so what I encourage coaches to do is, you know, try and do it all ahead. Again, going back to planning, plan out your social media. What are you going to be posting? Don't make it reactive. If you just post when you feel, think something comes to your head and you feel like, hey, this would be something good to record or show, um, it's going to be inconsistent and it's going to take you a lot of time. And so, you know, planning, hey, here's what we're going to do. And so there's all kinds of platforms that you can use to schedule out social media on different platforms and do it in advance. Um, and so I think that trying to map that out and and plan, hey, here's what I'm going to send my messaging out and we're going to schedule it and all that kind of stuff. There's lots of things like that can that I think can really save coaches a lot of time. But some coaches, it's again, just, you know, they don't they don't know what's out there. Um, so that's really good. That's really good. And just if I could um, get an inside scoop into maybe uh, your life or the Dan Tudor company, um, I'm just thinking about, um, yeah, time management skills uh any any personal things that you do as you're managing a lot of relationships managing a lot of technology um how do you do this in your personal life yeah so i think for a lot of it is is again just being able to kind of schedule things out and prioritize really what's going to be the most important thing and what's going to be what's going to really help me right now with what i need to do the most and um i use a i use a a product called notion where I can do, there's a lot of different things that can do um, with like, I you know, have a little database of coaches that I'm talking to, but I have just all my tasks and I can, you know, schedule them out and kind of tag them. And again, I know there's a lot of things kind of like that, but I, I use that, you know, along with my, my Google calendar just to be able to schedule things out. Like, Hey, I know I just talked to this coach. I know I'm going to have to follow up with them at some point, schedule, you know, schedule it, put it in, get it down. Um, Cause life is, life is chaotic and it's, you're not just going to you know remember everything. And the more that you're trying to remember, uh, in your head, it just, things get lost. And so just trying to get it done, forget about it. And then it pops up on your, your tasks for the day or your schedule. Then, um, I use that a lot just to help with, Hey, I need to follow up with this coach or, um, you know, they've got an upcoming game. I want to wish them, wish them good luck, that kind of thing. So, yeah, that's awesome. Going back just for a minute on social media that you talked about, um, you talked about building the brand for the coach. Um, I feel that's like just in the last 10 years, that's like the, the, 5% or 10% of margin in life that's like squeezing, you know, just like a little bit more that you have to take care of and manage. But um, just didn't know if you had any coaching uh, for the coach out there. Obviously, they have busy schedules, but they know they need to be on other than the planning out and the organization. Like what, how would you encourage them to use social media in their brand and their recruiting? Yeah. Yeah. So I think the thing, you know, specifically talking about recruits, what, when they go to social media to look up a program or a coach or something, they're trying to understand what do they really like? What's their personality like? You know, what's what does the team do kind of behind the scenes for fun? Um, am I going to fit in with them? I'm going to get get along with them. Um, they're trying to figure out that kind of stuff. And so the more that you can just put that's that's personal and 
just shows showcases who you are, who your players are, who your athletes are and what they're really like um, is, is better because kids really want to figure that out. They can go to your website. They can go figure out what the latest score was and who got player of the week and um, you know, things like that, you know, which it's fine to post those things on social media because people want to know about it. But for recruits, they're really trying to figure out like, am I going to get along with this coach? What are they really like? I've been getting all these texts and emails from them, but like, are they fun? Like, are they going to be someone that I'll get along with? Um, and I think the more that a coach can put into that to really showcase kind of who they are, it can help get kids to say, Hey, I like that. But it might also get kids to say, actually, I don't really like that. I don't, I don't think I would get along with that coach or that team. And that's okay. That helps save time because now you're not talking to this kid that isn't going to be a good fit because we figured out, Hey, you know, we're just personalities. It's not going to make sense. And so uh, if we didn't put that out on social media, we might not have completely uncovered that and, that can lead to issues if they come on campus and then it just doesn't, you know, it's not a good fit. They transfer out. And and so the more that you can do that, I think it helps yeah. again, going back to saving time with who you recruit is, is helpful. Yeah. What about platforms? Um, just for the coach, he's like, Hey, I'm not cool enough. I'm not cool enough for, for TikTok type of thing. Um, but yeah, what, what are high schoolers, college players? Like, what do you, what would you say the coach has to be doing or how would you advise that coach is trying to sort through it? Yeah. Yeah. By far, Instagram is, is still the top one. Um, we have some, I don't know that remember the exact numbers, but um, our admissions, we have an admissions branch of our office and they do, they combine with uh, niche.com and do a survey every year with classes. And one of the questions they ask is like, where do you go? Where are you going to look up things on social media and, and learn about a school or a program? Instagram by far is the number one. So if you're a coach that you're like, again, thinking about Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, Facebook, like it's all a lot. I don't really know just focus on one, focus on Instagram. That's where most kids are at. Um, TikTok and then actually YouTube are kind of the next two. YouTube used to be number two. TikTok has kind of surpassed it, but um, those are kind of the next ones up. But even though it's a, bit, it's a big gap between TikTok and YouTube and then Instagram's still up here, at least that's for the current recruiting classes. That's helpful. That's helpful. Yeah. Um, just want to almost go back to the start or, or just zoom way out. Um, for that coach listening, thinking about, um, becoming a great recruiter, like people say, like recruiting is the lifeblood of your program. Um, it's so important if they want to sustain their career. Um, just kind of how would you maybe define or describe, like if we say like this person is a great recruiter, like what, what does it take for Dan Christensen to say like this, this is what it means to be a great recruiter? Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of people think, you know, when they think of recruiter or, you know, salesperson, they think of kind of the used car salesman or someone that's just kind of, uh, you know, sneaky and slimy and, and that kind of thing. Those aren't the best recruiters that I work with. They're not like that. They are, a lot of them even aren't super, super extroverted, but they're the ones that really focus and listen and they pay attention to recruits and, and build that relationship really well and ask really good questions. And really do a good job of keeping the focus on why these kids should want to choose them that why I think that's important. A lot of coaches will throw a lot of stuff at kids and say, Hey, here's what we have. Here's what we're, you know, what we have to offer. But why, why do these kids want that? Why does this, should the 16, 17 year old kid want a, you know, 13 to one, you know, teacher, student teacher ratio. Like, what does that mean? Like what, you know, they don't know that. And so we'll throw yeah. these facts at them, but great recruiters are able to you know explain why, explain how this makes sense and how this is going to impact them. Um, and really focus on building that relationship because at the end of the day, we, when we ask recruits, what is, what are the main factors in your decision? The same three things typically come up. It's how the coach made me feel, how the athletes made me feel and how the campus made me feel. Um, so it's all about that feeling and, and that emotional connection that they have with the the people involved. Those are the main things. And so building those relationships, building that trust, 
it's going to be more important than getting the brand new shiny facility because even if they like that, but they don't really like you and they don't have a connection with you, they're probably not going to come. Um, so those kinds of things are what the best recruiters, I would say, are able to to do. I love that. I love that. Really good. Um, the feeling matters so much. Uh, and then next time when we have you on, we'll have to just get into the campus visit, maybe because I know you guys are experts at that as well. But just think about time management. I know you, you have a growing family. Uh, you're working so hard with Dan Tudor. Um, just kind of some daily habits or, or routines. Just, I know your faith's important to you, but how, how are you kind of daily or weekly trying to keep your faith strong? Yeah. Yeah. So I think it is uh, for me, it's trying to trying to plug in and stay involved as much as I can with um, with my church. So my wife and I both volunteer with the youth group at our church. Uh, and so it's a way for a way to, to stay involved and have some responsibility that if I didn't have, it would be a lot easier to just kind of put it to the side. But um, I love that. And it's, it's great to be able to work with students and um, learn myself. We have a great youth pastor at our church. And so I'm able to to listen to what he has to say and um, you know, getting connected, we have a small group that we were, we are part of with other, um, parents of young kids. We meet on zoom at night. Cause that's the only time it's even possible to, to sometimes be able to meet. Uh, and so we do that. And so just trying to connect with other, other Christians and, and learn from them and be able to share with them. And, and that kind of thing I think is, is important. Um, cause it can get very easy to get kind of overwhelmed and consumed by, by the kids and by work. And so, um, I think that's, that's helped me a lot. That's awesome. That's awesome. This is so good. I'm so glad that we got this time together. And uh, we just like to end each each episode just in prayer. So is there anything that we can be praying for for you or Hannah about? For sure. Yeah. I mean, I think we're our kids are, are young. We got a two year old and a one year old. And so we're still we're still new to this. We're trying to figure out how to be parents and how to do a good job of that, as well as be, you know, be be a good husband as a father with this extra, you know, responsibility. And so just always that, I think that's always important trying to, to, you know, have prayer for how to handle, handle everything that they're going through and and that. Um, But then just with, with work too, always, you know, I'm trying to give coaches the best advice that I can to help them. And uh, I, we take that seriously because it's, it's their career. This is how they make a living and how they are feeding their families and and paying for their homes. And so uh, it's an important job. I feel because recruiting, it can get, we we say it can get you hired and can get you fired. And so we want to be given the best advice. And so just always prayer for um, the, what we're able to share with, with coaches and how we're able to help them uh, to, to be better recruiters so that they can, can you know thrive in their career so yeah those would be two things i'd say yeah that's good let's let me pray for you right now lord uh thank you god just for this time thanks god for dan Uh, thanks for hannah thanks for just their heart uh for you and for excellence um just pray that you would guide them and bless them in this uh, tough season of raising a two and a one-year-old just give them grace uh help them to have your love for their kids and I do pray that their their children would would grow up to know you and and be world changers in, in whatever arena that you send them to. Um, just pray for Dan's work too. I pray that you'd bless uh, bless that and uh, just help him continue to serve well uh, with all the coaches that he gets to work with. And I ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Dan, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Chad, great job interviewing Dan. I've I've been able to meet Dan a few times. Um, such a great resource to us here at Liberty when I was a coach and just another another friend that we've made in this business, you know, um, and he's helping so many other programs. And he was also a tennis coach at some point. Um, so he has that in, in, in common with us. But so to emphasize when he talked about making sure that the recruits have good feeling towards you, right? You can share as many stats as you want. 
But if they, when they step on campus, if they don't have a good feeling, they'll most likely not, not come to you. And Jim, as a coach on the other side of the recruiting process, did you see that as being a, a factor in the decision making? Yeah, I think that is a big factor. Uh, as I was a high school coach and had the opportunity to even go on some official visits and trips and, you know, having that conversation with a coach who may be, you know, uh, recruiting one of my players, it, it it's that feeling the player gets of acceptance, of, of being wanted. And there's that emotional connection, not necessarily with, again, the university or the facilities, but with that coach, with that team. And so that emotional connection of feeling accepted, feeling wanted is crucial. And, and I think that's important insight in the recruiting process for those coaches. Yeah, and it was easy for me to to sell and believe in, in Dan Tudor's stuff and Dan Christensen's stuff and just try and create that feeling, that emotional connection with the student athletes. Because I, as I think back on two of my recruiting visits, um, yeah, as a, I was a new Christian. One, the, the coach was like uh, checking out. He was probably 50, checking out college girls and commenting. And I was like, ooh, you know, like this is sharing his character a little bit. And then... Yep. Uh, I went to the to Liberty on the official visit, and I just thought this coach is going to be like my mentor. He's going to be uh, my spiritual shepherd, you know, just this like trust factor. And boom, uh, that that helped me want to commit to, to Liberty. Um, but yeah, Dan Dan Christensen, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Uh, means means the world to us. And just coach, as you're listening, if you could rate, review, share word of mouth. That helps uh, spread the spread this uh, podcast so that others can be exposed to it. And uh, we end every episode the exact same way. And we just want you to, to go in, in God's strength and just remember that the mission field is right where you're at.